Welcome to the Dear Rochester Retire Well Podcast with David Pulsini from Six Point Financial Partners. In this podcast, find your path towards a brighter financial future with David as your guide as he helps individuals, educators, and healthcare professionals explore ways they can build wealth while minimizing risk using a multifaceted, comprehensive approach to personal finance. Are you ready to take the first step towards a brighter financial tomorrow? Let's get started. So ladies and gentlemen, we are back talking about retiring well, financial planning, money, all of that good stuff. And today on the podcast, we have Alex Oxenham with us. Alex, how are you today, sir? I know you're busy. Hey, Dave. Um, thanks for having me on the podcast. Very excited to be here and spending time with you and your listeners. Yeah, you got it. So folks, Alex is another one of the most intelligent human beings that I know. I told him I'd say that. And I wanted to get him on today to talk about how he is managing billions of dollars for folks. So when I say billions, billions of dollars, Alex can click a button and move millions and millions or billions of dollars at a time. So with great power comes great responsibility. And Alex can help us figure out what's going on a little bit behind the scenes. So as an advisor, one of our roles is to help our clients select the best funds or investments for them to be in. And we are fortunate enough to be able to use Alex and his strategy where it makes sense. So I want to start with this, Alex. What got you into this career in the first place? It's a little bit about you. Let's build some credibility for the audience first. <laughs> you know, Dave, thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I'm the co-chief investment officer here at Hilton Capital. What got me into the business? This is a tough one. <laughs> I think the first time I ever really thought about stocks is when I was in probably 11th grade. And I was in my friend's kitchen. I grew up in San Diego in middle school, in high school rather. And he pulls out the paper and he's a very tech savvy guy who ended up working at a, his name's Kevin. He ended up working at a dot-com and making a ton of money, long story short. And he's pulling up the paper and he said, I told my dad to buy Hasbro. Look at this stock. And he puts it out and he puts like a highlighter on it and it showed the price, how much it traded. You had to look at um, in paper back then yeah, yeah. and how much it was up year to date. And he said something about, I knew it was going to be a good stock and look, and my dad probably didn't buy it. And I didn't know anything back then. And I was like, what is a stock business all about? And that was kind of my first inkling. And then from there, as I sort of learned more about it, it's been all I've ever known how to do. So it's that guy's fault, right? It's that guy's fault, literally, that I happened. And he gave me basically no information. I just, and then I was amazed at all the symbols on the page. In the newspaper. It was the San Diego Union Tribune. And I'm like, wow, there's a lot of stocks. Sounds like it was met. So, I mean, fast forwarding all the way to today, you were looking at a Hasbro stock that long ago. And now, now you're looking at all sorts of what, what does somebody like you actually do all day long? Yeah. So our strategy is kind of unique and it's, you know, I joined Hilton in, in 2011 and what we do here is we try to run a unique strategy. So it's not large cap or small or international or domestic. It's, it's really around risk, trying to keep a consistent level of risk in client portfolios across a market cycle while generating income and trying to get some, some growth too. So because our mandate is more broad, we spend a lot of time on the economic environment and trying to make sure that the risks that we're taking in the portfolio make sense. So we look at things like, inflation rates, what the dollar's doing, the valuations of the market, 
what volatility looks like, what credit spreads look like. So we try to figure out where we are in the economic cycle to determine whether we should take more or less risk. So it's very different from probably some other money managers yeah. that your clients yeah. have listened to. It's interesting. So I wanted to ask this because I get this question a lot from clients and maybe they can hear it from you instead of me. But if I were to ask somebody like you, why is inflation so high? What, what's your answer for that? Or do you have one? <laughs> well, I, I think we kind of have this figured out by now. It took a yeah. while. So it's really two things, right? Obviously, the stimulus money that was printed, when you, 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 savings excess is like almost two to three trillion now more than it was prior to COVID. So consumers are flush with cash. They've spent it. You've seen that in goods consumption. You can't have a 20% aggregate increase in demand of goods without the commensurate investment in manufacturing to manufacture 20% more goods. So prices have to go up. And then on top of that, so yeah, COVID and the money printing that the Fed did to sort of avert the recession, which was a big success, I'd say. Now you have supply shocks. You have COVID lockdowns in China. The, The war in Ukraine is another supply issue around commodity prices. So meaning that you, the access to raw materials to build goods is just constrained because of COVID or other factors on top of the money printing that led to inflation. So you have excess demand and a supply shock. So that's very inflationary. And, and to be quite honest, it's, it's somewhat what happened in the 70s a little bit. Interesting. And I do, I do hear that from a lot of our clients that are nearing or in retirement. They said they've seen this before, right? So when you're trying to mitigate risk in your strategy and you're also involved in equities, what are some things that you look for? What are some triggering events where you say like, I have to make some trades or I have to pick some different things? Yeah, there can be two main reasons for that. The more important reasons are we try to be longer cycle in how we adapt our asset allocation at Hilton. So meaning we try to figure out where we are in the economic cycle and if it's a good or bad time to take risk. And if we think it's a bad time, in the short, intermediate, or long-term, we'll dial back our equities and add to fixed income, right? Conservative fixed income. Yep. We think it's a great time to take risk. We'll add risk, whether it's equities or credit risk. And so realistically, it used to be sort of prior to COVID, you could have like a 12 or 18-month view and execute yep. on that. With COVID and all the different strains and how they have an impact, it's been a much shorter time view where you've had to adjust to the economic cycle. So it's different. And then also the equities in our portfolio, we're always trying to upgrade them. So sometimes we may find a better one, but that's less of a risk view than it is kind of a tune-up. But the risk view is really what drives it. And what we look at are, what are the signals in the macro market that matter? And and what matters the most, it's not whether it's like good or bad. Is the economy in a good spot or is it in a bad spot? Most people think it's that. When they turn on CNBC, they're like, wow, the labor market's great and everything's great. That's priced into the market. What's not priced in is if it's getting better or getting worse, because you can have drawdowns in the market, just like we've had year to date, and the economy is actually on pretty solid footing. We've just gone from really high growth to something less than that, and the market's down. And conversely, if the market reaccelerates from pretty good to really good, the market tends to go up. So everything we look at Hilton is around this rate of change in the economy. And I, and I would say like, with the goal of getting it right in a six to 12 to 18 month time frame. So we look at keys like the dollar, interest rates, volatility, credit spreads, and commodities. Those are sort of key macro defining moments that suggest there's a regime change. And that's pretty much how we do it. 
So for the 90% of the listeners, Alex, that have no idea what you just said, I, <laughs> and I love it. The, the 10% that get it really get it. The other 90%. So the, folks, it's the pot. Alex makes moves for the firm when certain things are happening in the economic world and he changes the pie chart. That's it, right? So the easiest way to think of it is we buy more stocks, we buy less stocks, and it's basically adjustment adjustments made by Alex and his team to make sure that we mitigate risk and try to get the most return for our money that's invested with them. So yeah, what... Can you tell us more just about your strategy? Do you have any return numbers offhand? Over, I know at one point it was as you were basically getting the return of the S and P with a third of the risk, right? So I mean, I don't know if you can keep that going forever, but that's that was quite an accomplishment. Well, I can't discuss return numbers. Okay, yeah. would, uh, sorry, completely forbid me that. Yeah. But I mean, our our website, yeah. uh, which is Hilton CM Capital Management yeah. com, you can fill out a form and we won't spam you or anything like that. We're a small <laughs> company with 19 employees, so it's fine. And you can submit and see everything you want, including our historical track record. I can tell you what we, we do try to achieve is try to have a competitive total return with a focus on income. Bill Garvey, who was one of the co-founders of the firm and is co-CIO with me, he was a, this is a good story. He was a fixed income portfolio manager before he started Hilton and rates were really low back in 2000. I mean, ironically, they were really low last year too, but that's sort of being fixed now. Yeah. And he went to his clients and started, he said, look, I'm going to leave and start Hilton because I think I can do a better job by introducing other types of yielding asset classes. It doesn't have to just be fixed income, but let's do it in a way where we're not taking that much more risk. Like this is not going to be an, an all equity portfolio. Let's take a little bit more risk than bonds and try to do something better. And And the returns have kind of reflected the original goal. It's achieved what Bill thought it would do. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to skip into this because I, I know, I, again, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, fund managers are very busy folks, especially in the middle of the day. So it, where, and I know I've had, a, again, a lot of questions about this, Alex, and I'd like to hear it from you. And maybe I'll just push play in my meetings from now on. But what do you think about broad markets right now in general? If you had folks just asking you, where, where do you think this thing is headed? What are you saying right now? Yeah. So we're actually, after being pretty aggressive for the last 20 months or so in our portfolios, in, in December, we started dialing back risk. You have a couple of scenarios. And look, I know the markets have rallied nicely and it looks like the hostilities in Ukraine are, are starting to wear down. But one of my friends said to me today, look, we've put out the fire that they started themselves. Like you can't pat yourself on the back for solving a problem that shouldn't have been a problem in the first place. <laughs> and the market was down, you know, it was correcting pre the Russia-Ukraine incident. So you have high inflation that you're dealing with. I think the markets will have a, a relatively tough year, to be quite honest. Yep. You have still supply disruptions with, with the war in Ukraine. The, the sanctions don't go away, even if hostilities cease, because what's done is done. I, I don't think anyone's going to reverse sanctions if if this works out in a, in a positive way, I think this is a multi-year thing that we could all agree is a, a problem. China's still pursuing COVID zero. You have very higher interest rates. I shouldn't say very high, but they're moving higher. The Fed's going to sell down the balance sheet. The markets rallied when the Fed poured trillions in. I certainly think it'll be challenging on the way out. And you also have a stimulus cliff. Last June was the sort of peak of the stimulus. You're not getting that this time around. There is no stimulus. 
So now you're going to you're facing a demand cliff. So I think the rate of growth in the economy will decelerate meaningfully. Certainly not to any recessionary levels this year, but on a year-over-year comparison. And I talked about early on how we're very rate of change focused. That's a different dynamic than we've seen for the last two years, where you've had accelerating growth on accelerating growth. Now you have decelerating growth coming off of all-time high growth. So I think that's why the markets have been pretty choppy. So I wouldn't be super exuberant here. I don't think you'll have a recession in 22 and and 23 is debatable, but it's too early to tell. So I think here for us, we're very much near neutral. We've been adding to fixed income as rates rise. Hasn't really worked so far yet. We've been wrong. We're a little early, Um, but we'll continue to do that as the Fed fights inflation and continues to raise rates. A lot of the rate increases are priced in. I'd say not all of them, but a lot of them are. Awesome. I appreciate that. So I have two more questions for you and then we'll get you going today. If you had to, I'm not even sure you're allowed to answer this one either. Gotta love compliance. If you had to pick one thing to put your own money into, again, I'm just asking you questions I get all the time, Alex, from clients. Dave, if if you had to put your own money into this, what would it be? So if you had to pick one thing or stock or maybe even a sector right now, what would it be for you? Yeah, this is a a tricky one. I obviously wouldn't give you a stock. I do very little stock yeah. trading. You know, We're active investors in our strategy, as you can imagine. To be honest, and this is the hardest thing, is when you go look at some of the data at like a TD Ameritrade or Schwab, and you'll see that they always pull this up. And you've probably seen this as an advisor. This is the average performance if you 70-30 allocation in ETFs or managers. You should... Yeah. You have, and the returns look great. And then you have a couple of bad years, but on average, it's like eight or 9% annualized returns. And then it shows the average return for the individual investor. And it's something less than that. Like it's two thirds less because what do they do? They, they sell during periods of panic and they add at the top when things feel good. So stock picks are great and they're fun. And I'm not going to give you one. And I'm sure your viewers are disappointed. But I'm going to give them the tough love. <laughs> don't sell at the bottom and don't increase your equity allocation at the top. You know, deep down inside your heart, you're making the wrong choice and you know it makes you feel better. But you have to buy when equities have corrections and you have to trim when they're at the top. Find that asset allocation that fits your goals and your family and stick to it. And you will have a much better total return over a 10 or 15 year period than you ever will by trying to find hot stock tips. That's my stock tip. It's a great answer. It's actually in perfect alignment with what I say, because I thought what you would say is, Dave, it depends on when you need the money, how much you need the money. Is it pre-tax? Is it after tax? All of that fun stuff. So no, I appreciate that answer. So, Yeah, because you know, and you'll ask me, like, I've made mistakes, plenty of them, and I continue to make them. This is a very hard business. I always say I should have been a lawyer. It would have been easy. I'm not disparaging lawyers, but... <laughs> I've, you know, I've made that mistake. I've overweighted yeah. short-term information to try to make a long-term decision and then it hasn't worked out. You've got to fade your feelings and it's hard to do that. It's extremely difficult, especially for a lot of our listeners that are listening to their friends or their family, or you're dealing with crazy real estate markets and interest rates and inflation and cryptocurrencies. And it's, it's always easy to chase the thing that just got 180% return in, in a week or something. So no, I appreciate that. And speaking of that, and I know you'll love this question. How can someone get, this is a listener question. How can someone get a 25% return for the next 10 years, Alex? <laughs> is that really? A, oh my gosh. 
That's a real question. I but want it, you to answer that for answer that for him. What would you say? You have my cell phone number, and when you get like a legitimate response to that, please call me immediately <laughs> because I would love to in, invest alongside that. Yeah, I love it. So it's impossible, yeah. folks. That's just not possible. Well, I guess I guess it could be possible. You just have to be. Well, if CPI goes to thirty five percent, I think it'd be pretty easy to get that. There but we go. You know, I'm not calling for that. I'm just trying to be funny. You know. There we go. <laughs> So my, my last question for you is this, if what is the ideal client for somebody looking at your strategy? Well, we, we get that question a lot. We fit in nicely with really aggressive clients. And then we fit in even more nicely with, with those that are more defensive, because I, I think there's been some studies done, like the most aggressive allocation with the sort of lowest risk isn't hundred percent equities. It's 90% equities and 10% bonds. Like it has pretty much the same total return, but it takes less risk. So why wouldn't you do that? So even in an aggressive portfolio, we we can play a role, but it'll be a smaller allocation. It, you really are trying to, 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 it's like baseball team, right? It's great if you have a lot of strong pitching, but if you can only score two runs a game, you're, you're not going to make the playoffs, right? So you have to have a balance. You've got to be able to put runs on the board and you've got to be able to have an, not give up hits. And so that's how we view it is we play our role. We're sort of like a utility infielder trying to hit singles and maybe stretch it into a double and try not to strike out, right? Yeah. Maybe get, hit, get hit by the pitch. That's kind of what we do, <laughs> right? And sometimes we make bad decisions and I get hit by the pitch in the head, but you know, say it goes. <laughs> get hit yeah. by the pitch. So I, I have found the fund that you guys use and I, you may not be, or the, the strategy very helpful for folks that are headed toward retirement, near retirement, in retirement, and they're looking, they still need growth, right? We have a lot of people that think the day they retire, all of a sudden they need to be extremely conservative and safe. And we have, and you know, those folks retiring at 50 years old, they may have another 50 years to go. That's a long time horizon. So we still want growth, yet it makes our clients feel better to be a little more conservative. So I found a good spot for your strategy with, with those types of folks. So Alex, I'll leave you with this. How can you tell us how can we get in touch with you if we need to? And then we'll wrap this up. Yeah, that's great. And I would highlight your sentiments. I mean, if you're 50 and you just retired, you can't just go to fixed income. Um, inflation is 8% right now. What if it's at 4% for the next 10 years? You, you, you need to grow, right? Because you're not going to stop consuming and inflation is going to consume your principal. Exactly. So unfortunately, right. even defensive investors need to have an allocation to growth. Um, we have a good website. Um, it's yeah. Hilton CM as in capital management.com. Yeah. Uh, we have all kinds of information on our strategies and our economic updates that we do quarterly are on there as well. And you'll have my contact information and my team's contact information. And uh, again, if you sign up, we promise we won't spam you. <laughs> no, it's a great site. And Alex's team does a great job. And we have a number of advisor listeners, Alex, out there too. So I encourage them to check out what you guys are doing if they haven't already. Folks, we'll leave it at that. You can find us at www.sixpointfp.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, David Pulsini Jr. CFP. For now, make it a great day. Thank you for listening to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Six Point Financial Partners.
The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Six Point Financial Partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, Private Client Services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Six Point Financial Partners or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Six Point Financial Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.